I want to welcome all of you today. I've gotten to do it in person for most of you. I didn't get to our class, our marriage and parenting class over there, so I'll be looking for those folks later on. But I want to welcome you, especially today also, those of you online. We have a growing number who join us Sunday after Sunday, and I'm so glad that you're with us, no matter where you may be. And any way you can communicate with us to let us know what's happening with you, and man, any of you who come gather here at some point in time, let us know. Let me know about you worshiping with us online. We want, you, we want to embrace you as well. So thank you, thank you, thank you one and all. A lot of good stuff going on. Had a ladies gathering in the foyer, uh, harvest candlelight, uh, tea. It was phenomenal, phenomenal. And uh, appreciation, family life for, I think, children and youth workers and all those who serve today. So just good things going on. We're beginning a new ser- uh, series today. And if you're new, typically about this time of year, I, I do something along these lines. But the title is this, God Always First. How many of you know that to be true? That's not based on a political landscape. It's not based on an economic. God's always first. That's when our lives are the most grounded and secure, and that's when our lives are the most wobbly. And so the thing I want to ask you today, and I'll ask you at the end, we've been singing, didn't sing today, but we've been singing that song, God is on the throne. And I just wanna ask you in your life, in your family, in your home, is God first? Not was he, but is he? One of my favorite renditions of the Bible from the message paraphrase in Exodus 20, I'm gonna read three verses there. But it reads, God spoke all these words. Okay, this is God speaking to his people. And we've been grafted in. I know this is Old Testament. I am, boy, those are powerful words. I read this morning in my devotions when Jesus said that in the garden, people fell back and fell down when he said, I am he. Remember, identifying himself. Here he says it again, he identifies, I am God. Your God who brought you out of the land of Egypt out of a life of slavery. That's not just there, geographically speaking, but that's what he's done in our lives to bring us to himself, agreed? But here it is, verse three. No other gods, only me. Does anybody think that's pretty clear? No other gods, only me. Well, By choice, when we decide and declare with our lives, I am a child of God, that means that's our identity, that's the lens that we look through, live through, that means God always first. That gives crystal clear perspective and a view to live life through. If you're truly going to pursue God, if you're serious about it, You gotta settle it. What do you have to settle? You have to settle God's firstness. And that's a decision that only you could make. So I'm gonna teach the next three weeks about this. Today is the release, next is the the, the return, and then thirdly will be the result. But it's all season truth. Have you settled it in your heart? Surrender 
God's firstness is about letting go of trying to control outcomes that you can't control anyway. Yeah? Some of us try to control everything, and all we're doing is wearing ourselves and everybody else out in the process. Passionately pursuing God means putting and keeping him first. That's just the way that you do life on a day like today, whatever the circumstances may be. That's not a circumstantial thing. And I would suggest to you, through principle and practicality today, I would suggest to you that that is the only path to full blessing that God wants to pour over your life. It's in regards to his firstness. God really wants you and your family, your home, he really wants you to be blessed, but that will only happen truly when he's first. Now, for all of us, if we have life and breath, God's good, he's been faithful, he loves, we've been singing like a father should, he is so good. Everything good comes from him, but I'll tell you what, he wants to bless us in greater ways. But I'll say it again, that only happens when he's first. And so I ask you again, is he? That's not just a head thing, that's not just theory. That's practice. So this is living, listen, from a point of and a daily posture of surrender. It's a point in time, but it's an ongoing posture of surrender. How do you know God can do so much through your unconditional surrender? And you can mess up so much when you don't. When you give him partial, a part, a portion. When God's first in your life, it shows. And your humble obedience, I believe, provides a platform, the atmosphere and environment that is conducive to God doing miracles in and through you and around you. Because, you know, when I read a story like Jesus' first miracle of turning water into wine, I think he can still do things like that. How about you? And he got glory, glory to the Father. When they see God's firstness in our lives, people will be drawn, they'll be amazed, and they'll be drawn towards the Father. And it will be like that story. It will be like this, wow, you saved the best until now. How do you know that's God's way? There's more to come. The best is yet to come. I live with that optimism every single day. And when you live this way, it's such a powerful impact and witness on others. And in effect, when you do, you are bringing people to Jesus and or bringing Jesus to the people in real time. And I don't know of a better way to do it than showing and living that he's first in your life. That's what we're called to do, pour out. That gives us perspective. That brings significance. This gives us purpose. And Andrew is focusing, and Pastor Joel, on the, on the catalog going out and the blessing season that we're gonna kick off next Sunday. What a joy it is to serve people all over the place. The kindness and compassion of Jesus is supposed to flow to us and in us and through us, and we just keep pouring it out. Bottoms up, right? Bottoms up. We're not to hoard it, to keep it. We're to pass it on. I want to tell you, as long as you're at that tipping point, God will keep pouring it in so he can pour it out through you. I remember a dear friend of mine, still living, elderly now for sure, his name is John, but he was very successful financially for a lot of years in the oil business, and 
that was, uh, let's see, I got to know him in the 80s, and so that was a real volatile time. And for years and years, he had been such a major supporter and contributed to the church. And, but here we were when I knew him and got to know him, it was more lean times. And he was just fretting and worrying because he could not give what he once had given. And I remember telling him one time face-to-face, John, the amount you're giving is not the issue in any way, shape, or form, but I know this and you know this, you're still putting God first. How many of you know that's true? I don't know if it's easier or more difficult. Is it harder to put God first when things are really good or is it harder to push, put God first when things aren't so good? Both. I think it's at the extremes of life where sometimes we're tested about God's firstness in our life. So wherever you may be, this message hits you today. Andrew, Pastor Andrew prayed it. Here's what we do. We go palms up, realizing that we are temporary holders and transporters of temporary things that we're not gonna take with us. Agreed? I better say that again. We are temporary holders and transporters of temporary things for eternal purposes. So we release it, we let it go. We say all the time, live palms up, why? Because that's the posture of receiving and that's the posture of giving. Would you agree? Not this, not holding, I dare it, take it, take it, but no, no, no. I'm living this posture as a giver. When people are touched with the Father's heart by seeing his firstness in your life, I believe again, they'll be drawn to him. I believe they'll want what you have. It'll make them want to turn away from an old life of selfish pursuits, and they'll have a new way of thinking, a new attitude that produces a new way of living. Oh, what a powerful, powerful influence. That's the body of Christ. Firstness isn't just a money thing, it's all resources thereof. I heard a great podcast. I listen and read a lot. And on the Kerry Newhoff Leadership Podcast, they told a story, and this was in Canada, true story, and it just must have happened fairly, fairly recently. But a little boy, Maddie, his name was, thir- name Maddie, he was 13 years old. Uh, he, they lived on a lot of acreage, and somehow he got lost. And there was just a desperate search for him. I mean, it was early in the morning, but he didn't come back, didn't come back as darkness began to fall, and the search was on. I mean, it was a desperate, and, and it was pitch, pitch dark out. As the news spread, listen to this, they were a part of a life-giving church. As the news spread, more than 100 people showed up from that church family to help search for little Maddie who was lost. Do you think that had any influence? Now, the happy ending to this story is because so many people turned out in mass, they had helicopters, they had drones and all that, they were able to find him and to rescue him and from harm's way. But so many in the community were so touched because all these people organically just showed up because that's what happens when, when God's first. We're just ready to move out, aren't we? We're ready to follow any spirit prompt where there's a move because it's not what, what I'm doing is so temporary, but we shove those things aside and say, I want to take care of people. And I want to tell you that when we do that, that's putting God first on the throne. By serving him, we're serving others as well. God is faithful to bless those who put him first and keep him there. 
He's willing today to willingly, lovingly correct and forgive those who have failed to put him first. I mean, we're glad we've been to the cross. Thank you, Lord, to get rid of my sin, but we've still never put him first in our life. He'll bring loving correction. Because I wanna say that if he's not first in your life today, things are out of place in your life today. If he's not first place, things are out of place. And you wonder and you blame and you look and you compare, but we need to dive deep into our own hearts to see what the real issue is. And more times than I can tell you, this is where the rubber meets the road. Haggai chapter one. I'll read some verses there, portions. This is what the Lord Almighty says. Consider how things are going for you, okay? Think about it. How are things going? By the way, let me say parenthetically. Oh my, we, we embrace the entire Bible, but it amazes me how people are so quick to embrace the promises of the Old Testament, but not the commands. Because now we're under grace. Jesus didn't do away with all those things, did he? We'll talk, I don't know about you, but I wanna embrace every promise in the Bible, old and new, agreed? I wanna embrace it, I wanna, I, wanna, I wanna follow his commands knowing that he knows best. So let's read on. You have planted much but have harvested little. Your wages disappear as though you were putting them in pockets filled with holes. That's because when you go to Walmart, a head of lettuce was five bucks this week. Did anybody hear about that? Is that truth or fiction? And they were like the size of an overgrown orange. No wonder. No wonder. Verse seven, and then it comes back to that statement it started with. This is what the Lord Almighty says. Consider how things are going for you. You think about it deeply. There may be a reason for it. And I wanna hone in on that. Out of ignorance, many Christians are setting the table and inviting the devourer, that would represent Satan, to join them for dinner. Come on in. And then he does and he proceeds to have us for dinner because he devours our flesh. When Jesus is at the head of the table in his rightful position, the devourer is not welcome and has no place. When we, through our choices, diminish God, though we would never say it that way, we are making choices to limit his protection and provision in our life. I firmly believe that. And I think that he, in his all-knowingness, allows us to tie his hands because he's gotta be first to be true to himself. When he's not first in our lives, we venture out from under the canopy of his care and protection. I'm not suggesting for a moment that he stops loving you. But we place ourselves in harm's way. We place ourselves at danger points many times because of this. And it's not his choice, it's our consequences for not being willing to do what he says. We choose to walk out from under the protection of his divine favor. And I know when I do messages nowadays like never before, no matter what I say, you can fold your arms interior or, outside or exterior and you can go, no way, you don't have to. You can do whatever, but that doesn't change truth. I can't, no pastor, 
no matter how suave they may be, can make you do anything. It's your choice, it's your response. I'm just responsible to present it. Are you diminishing God in any way? Are you limiting his divine favor over your life in any way? Psalm 139 says it so well in verse 23. Here's our prayers. Here's a God first prayer. Search me, O God. Don't you wish it said search them? Huh? Take care of them. Take care of my spouse. Take care of my boss, whatever. No. Search me, O God, and know my heart. Test me and know my thoughts. Point out anything that offends you. I'm really interested in anything in my life that might be offending God. Is that okay? I don't wanna offend him. And not only that, Lord, but lead me along the path of everlasting life. That sounds like divine favor to me. How about you? That's the path I wanna walk on. That's the path I want my kids and grands to walk on, to live on. I wanna say this strongly, and I'm telling you things that I hold dear, deeply in my heart today, that Dixie and I practice. Violating God's firstness is an offense to him. Did you hear me? Violating God's firstness is an offense to him. It's not okay. That's not the path to blessing. Because he said, as we just read a little time ago, no other gods, only me. I am God, he said. If God's blessing doesn't rest on your life, I'll say it again, before you blame God, do a deep dive into your own heart and life. What is truly your foundational priority? God has put his laws in place that grace has not altered. I'll tell you, God was operating in grace when he gave the law in the Old Testament as well. How many of you know that? And when you violate them, His blessing is not covering your life in the same way and you become vulnerable because you are choosing to move away from him. He doesn't leave you, he doesn't forsake you, but many times we choose to walk away from him. And that's where some of you are today. He used to be first, but he's not first now. The good news, correction can be made. I encounter people these days that believe that They're self-made. But when you say that, in a sense, you're worshiping your creator, and you know who that would be? Yourself. If God shuts some blessings off for a time, don't blame him. It might be to get your undivided attention. In fact, I would say it this way. God may have some holy sanctions placed on your life right now to get your attention. He may. And that doesn't diminish his goodness. It's out of love. It's for your own good. He wants you to look to him and be blessed. He wants you to do things his way so he can be your provider. He really wants to bless you and yours. Does anybody believe that and receive that today? But we can't do that. I can't have it both ways when we try to do one, one foot in the kingdom and one foot in the world. One foot for him and one foot for them. No, all in, all in. Will you let him bless you the way he wants to? 
believing his ways are best? Come on, look at me. Have you settled that? Do you really believe, not because of a circumstance, do you really believe with all your heart that God's ways are best? I gotta testify, I do. You can't talk me out of it. I've lived it too long. I've seen it live for too long. Many of you, some of you say, Pastor, you've been here how since 1995? I've heard these things before, but I'll tell you, there's a lot of people online and in this room today that maybe you've never received, God, received teaching about God's firstness, and I'm gonna let it go these next three weeks like I do about any other topic without apology. It has a solid, solid biblical base, basis, and it's a never-ending life principle. Pastors like me need to be teaching this. We're doing you a huge favor when we teach on this regularly. And I want you to know that it's for anyone who claims that they know Jesus and are a part of his church. It doesn't matter what church. I'm giving you a hot tip today. You can reject it and ignore it, but it's a key for living. So let's do a little history as the people of Israel live by the law of first things. They were blessed abundantly by God and he took wonderful care of them. Agreed? All you have to do is read the Old Testament and the New. And listen, I was thinking that even in and after their rebellion for 40 years in the wilderness after God had done great and mighty things, he still took care of them and really provided for their daily needs. I'm not saying they had everything they wanted. In fact, when they wanted meat, they got it and then some. <laughs> they were sick of manna burgers and quail. It says in Deuteronomy 29.5, for 40 years, this was in and through their rebellion. This was a consequence of their choices of not putting God first, keeping him first. I led you through the wilderness, yet your clothes and sandals didn't wear out. Wow. God took care of them. And they marched in victory, even in those circumstances, as long as they put God first. However, there were times when disobedience removed them from God's protective blessing and he brought discipline, loving correction. I'll say it again. We've gotta be willing to do life his way if we wanna experience his full blessing. You don't have to, but that's the only way to experience all that he wants to give. Jesus came and he split history he came and died, and as we move into the blessing season, you know, and Advent season, all of that, I mean, it's not about one coming. The first wouldn't be anything unless the second coming was gonna be a reality, too. I mean, he came for a purpose, to live, to die, to rise again, to set the stage so he could come back for his own. He came and died to offer redemption for all people of creation. Jesus' blood made all the difference. It splashed on every generation in history, past, present, future, he became the bridge between the old and new covenants. I wanna say this carefully, that God never intended to do away with the life-giving principles of the law. For example, which one of the first commandments do you wanna abolish? The 10 commandments, I should say. Agreed? I mean, they're broken nearly every day. We see it like never before, and that's why we're in the mess we're in largely in America. Because those commandments, that's like under God's canopy of protection and care, and they still provide blessing to all who live under, surrender to that authority and that guidance. No other gods, only me. 
I'm the God who rescued you. I'm the God who saved you. I'm the God who provides for you. Every good thing comes from me. Everything. God never intended to do away with these life-giving principles. What he did was he changed our nature, our heart, so that the spirit of the law was now written not in some tablet made of stone, but in our hearts and minds, and that's what God's grace is all about. A true love relationship is what he's after that flows both ways. What died with Jesus, listen, was the curse of the law of sin and death. Sin no longer requires death for redemption because Jesus offered up his life once for all, permanently. When the devourer sees the blood of Jesus applied to your life, he has no choice. He must pass over you like the Passover established. He cannot destroy your eternal destiny and life. We know that God, as a reminder of his lordship, his sovereignty, his on the throneness, commanded the people of Israel to return to him the first things. This included children, animals, crops of the field, fruit of the trees, whatever. God said, I will be first. When Israel was a farming nation with crops and livestock, it was easy to determine first things and first fruits. It was simply the firstborn and the first fruits that were harvested, and they were returned to God. And God said again emphatically, I want the first portion of everything. It's mine. Nothing has changed. Mercy, grace, and love have raised it to a much, much higher level because it's now driven by the heart and not by law. And so it brings me to what I'm gonna call the release. And this is so very key. This is a hot tip, I believe. I've been teaching it for years, but I'm more passionate about it now than I ever have been. God provided a way to provide for his kingdom and his church for all time. He knew in his wisdom and all-knowingness that our economy would move and economies of the world would move the way they have to a money-based system or whatever. So he designed a method, first things and first fruits that would work for us always. So what does that look like in our culture, in our world? If you've read and studied the Bible, you might know that God's into numbers and they have significance and God's redemptive work is connected with the number 10 because that means good things. That's what the release and the return is about. And he says, the first belongs to me. Not belonged as in ED past tense, but belongs to me still. He still wants us to release and return the first 10% of all increase to him because it's his, not ours. So let's not talk about giving, giving, giving. That's not giving, giving, giving. That's returning, returning, returning. But I think before that, I'll hit that next Sunday, it's about the release. God set this up as a test, a practical way of measuring God's firstness in our lives. It's that simple. 
Leviticus 27.30, we read, and all the tithe of the land, that's the first things, whether of the seed or of the land or of the fruit of the trees, is the Lord's. It is holy to the Lord. In other words, that means set apart. I don't want to mess with what belongs to God. Do you? I don't want to hang on to what belongs to him. So, Pastor, if the tenth is a type of redemption, then why does it have to be first? Because I believe that's what God established to keep him front and center in our hearts and minds and lives. It's got to impact our lives where it touches our heart and our treasure. And I want to suggest to you that when it is released first, it breaks the curse of destruction and loss off the, that that remains and gives God the power to bless you in ways you could never think of that I couldn't articulate because if I did, you'd say, oh, then I expect this. No, you, you can't, you can't overexpect when it comes to God. He'll just blow you away with his provision. And I want to suggest this, and you, th you think, Pastor, this may be legalistic teaching, but this is what I practice and we practice and teach that it's possible to be even returning the first tenth to God and still not be tithing the blessing of the tithe is not on that that remains it's on the first given if it's not first it's an offering God's into offerings fine but the tithe is first God will bless offerings, and they're biblical. There are examples throughout Scripture, but the redemptive blessing is reserved for that first, God's first portion. I am first. God always starts with first things. He doesn't take shortcuts. And this biblical life principle, I, do, I believe with all my heart, has not changed, and it will never change. I remember in Children's Church in Auburn, Indiana, my mother teaching that particular day. <clears throat> and uh, it was about returning. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten. It was about teaching and returning. And what she did, we were, we were kind of on the floor, and she took uh, ten bills, and I, I have ten twenties here. And, and she wanted to teach us. And here I am, 67 years old, but I, I remember this vividly, and it was so shaping in my life, and it was so simple. Then she asked, how much of that belongs to God? How much does it belong to him? And of course, somebody said, all of us, you know, we raise our hand, oh, well, the first, the first 10%, and that would be one of these bills. So you can do the math, that should be $200, and that would be, one bill would be $20. And now, but, but she, was, she was going on, and this is what I really want to get to. She said, which specific bill should I give to the Lord? And, oh, 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 I know, the first one. And then she puzzled us all by going, well, which one is the first one? Because she didn't even line them up. I think she just put them kind of in a pile spread out so there wasn't like one through ten. 
And so I remember she seldom called on us. They didn't let us sing at church or anything because they didn't want to be exalting us in front of the other kids. My dad was a pastor. But on that particular day, she, she called on me and said, okay, I want you to give me the, the, the first one. And I didn't know what to do, so I just, I just randomly reached down and I, and I gave her the first one I touched and I released it and gave it to her. And you know what she said? That's exactly right. That's what the Lord wants. He wants the first release, not the leftovers. The blessing is on the first release. Now, I've never gotten any pushback from people that do that. The only time I've gotten pushback in all these years is from people that don't. And God says, don't knock me if you haven't tried it. Be careful about criticizing something that I've instituted because it's not out of law, it's out of grace, it's because of how much I love you. I've never forgotten that illustration. Next week, maybe I'll show you part of our checkbook without the numbers to show you the order after we have increased exactly what we do and try to live by. The first one, release. That's the title of this offering, the, the, the message today, the release. Listen, the true lordship test is not to wait until you have all your bases covered and then give God leftovers. You may like to eat leftovers but I guarantee you, if you had mighty fine company over, you probably wouldn't be feeding them leftovers. Agreed? Could you imagine giving leftovers to Almighty God who created and gave all that is? Could you imagine giving him anything less than the first, which is the best? It's not the best by our standard. The best is the first by his standard. God doesn't want to tip after you've lived the week and decided how he's good and how good he is, so you're gonna reward him for that. No, he's not looking for a donation. He's looking to be first. He's saying, that's what releases my power in your life. And if you don't get it by now, it's so symbolic because his firstness, for example, in, in material things, that's the key to our heart and our heart and treasure. The Bible teaches the same place. If we can get that settled, it'll trickle down through all of our lives. How many of you know that's true? It's true. It's true. Any part that you withhold from God of your life, that's what the enemies, that's, that's, your, that's your Achilles heel, so to speak, spiritually. That's what he's gonna attack. That first 10% the Bible teaches, the tithe is released and returned first in faith. And in fact, I would, say, I, would, I would say this strongly, faith equals first. Any takers out there? Faith means first. It declares that God deserves and occupies first place. That's who he is, not because of what he provides. The first belongs to him. Most offerings, many times offerings are an afterthought, but the return and the release and the return, that's intentional, that's firstness. So I want to say it again very clearly. Please hear me. God doesn't want your tip. He doesn't want your donation. He doesn't want the best. He doesn't want the most. He just wants first. Because you know what? He knows if he has first, he has all the rest. This isn't about anything that you have because it's all from him. It's about whether or not he has you. 
and me or holds our hearts. I believe that when we do it his way, he will indeed bless the rest. And I want to teach this. And I've done, we've done our best to teach this to our children and now to our grandchildren. I just want to caution you again about offering the Lord leftovers. The first portion we release should be the return because that's the first fruit. According to Genesis 13, the first portion is a redemptive part. It has the power to redeem the rest. Romans eleven sixteen says it this way, for if the first fruits is holy, the lump is also holy, and if the root is holy, so are all the branches. Do you see the principle there? It just saturates everything. God's firstness. I'll say it again, as pastor all these years, I see that the real spiritual battle is about the issue of God's firstness, and it is far, far from a money or material thing. It's about his firstness. That's where we hit the wall. That's, when our, that's where our lives get in the weeds. There are many blessings that go along with the release of the return. But it's that principle of putting God first that initiates the blessing. The first release becomes the trigger. The first portion redeems the rest. The first portion carries the blessing of Almighty God. And I plead with you to settle it, to make that decision. I pray that you'll talk about it on the way home, around your meal today. Talk about this thing and say, wow, I want to align us with God's word. I want to align us under his blessing, his canopy of divine favor. Would you think about this? When we give the first portion to someone or something temporal and not to God who is eternal, it's like saying that they are more respected and more valued and occupy a higher place than God's. No other gods, only me. Pastor Robert Morris, I believe, I think I found this in some of his writing or his teaching. He told of an unnamed NFL player, I believe, that, that attended his church at the time. And he had a vibrant relationship with, with Jesus. He was unashamed of the gospel of Jesus. He was a dominating, is a dominating player, one of the highest paid players at his position. And when he received a huge signing bonus, he promptly went on a spending spree, buying his wife a huge diamond ring and buying her a Corvette. Ha, 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 ha. Shortly after this, he heard his pastor teach about the law of first things. He came to his pastor and said, Pastor, I've never been taught this truth before. And, and I want you to know, I didn't give God, I didn't return the first portion of my signing bonus. And here's a check, and I promise that I'll not fail to put God first again. Nobody initiated it. Nobody hammered him about it. And the pastor said, I received there one of the single largest checks in the church's illustrious history. And then from then on, no matter when or where he was away on weekends, he would send his first fruits overnight mail so that every week it was in the basket on Sunday morning. Isn't that incredible? We all, who, did we, who was that? We, I don't know. They didn't say who it was. But the first release says, I'm going to return the first portion to God, and I'm going to trust him to bless the rest. A friend sent me this uh, text this week. 
based on this scripture in 1 John 5, 21. I'll end with this. Dear children, keep yourself from idols. How many of you know that God's firstness is about keeping us from idols? Idols aren't external first, they're internal. And this quote was sent to me by Tim Keller, longtime pastor in New York City. Listen to this carefully. Here's what he wrote. He said, and this, it's, it's, he has such a very diverse congregation. He's speaking to people from of every walk of life. He said, an idol is anything more important to you than God. Anything that absorbs your heart and imagination more than God. Anything you seek to give you what only God can give. He said, that's an idol. 1 John 5, 21 from the New Living Translation says it this way. Dear children, keep away from anything that might take God's place in your heart. Isn't that good? Keep away from anything that might take God's place in your heart. Is God on the throne of your life, your family? He said it, I didn't, no other gods, only me, I am first. God always first. God always first. Amen? I just gave you a hot tip that you can take to the bank and it won't bounce. I'm never gonna promise you what that blessing is gonna look like, but I can tell you that obedience brings God's favor on your life in new ways, amen? And I pray that you'll wrestle with this. For some of you, this is the first thing you've never ever heard and you think, wow, there's bondage. That's not freedom and doing it God's way. Oh, no, no, no. There is freedom and love will explode in your life like never before. When you get it straight, you settle it. God's first in my life. He's first in my business. He's first because I'm living for John 12, 28. Father, bring glory to your name. It's not about me. It's all about you. It's all about you. It's all about you. I want to tell you, that's the way to live. Amen? Amen. Well, in this time of year, what we do, and, and I'm going to pass something out next week, but I'm just going to show you on the screen today as we wrap it up. We're going to pass out cards. That, that there's going to be two challenges on it. And uh, I think you guys can bring it up. But one we'll be talking about in this harvest uh, blessing season. We call it a celebration, a love gift. Um, we're going to give everybody an opportunity to do this. Malachi 3.10, bring all the tithes in the storehouse. If you do, a portion there. I'll open up the windows of heaven for you and pour out a blessing so great you won't have room enough to take it in. Try it. Let me prove it to you. And so my challenge will be that during this harvest blessing season, November next Sunday through the end of the year, I'll do one of the following. I'll, be re, I'll, I'll begin to return the first whatever percentage of my increase to God. I'll begin to return the first of all increase to God. I'll continue to return God's tithe, knowing that your heart and treasure will be in the same place. And then the next screen. Today I'll be asking you, which will be next week, to consider joining Dixie and me to give a generous year-end harvest blessing love, uh, season love gift above and beyond our weekly first return we do that automatically we can flow into the new year with a very strong financial surge so our challenges are make the first step towards a faithful return first return release give a generous one-time love gift above your regular or consider giving a one-time year-end love gift from your business or portfolio or whatever it may be and we'll look at that so we'll pass that out so I want you to be thinking about that and talking about that as you stand together 
but as we move through this week. Don't hesitate to reach out to me, to ask me questions or whatever, but I'm just doing my best to give you every biblical hot tip that I can think of, and I can't think of a better one, than God is first. God is first. Father, thank you so much for your faithfulness and goodness to us. Your love knows no bounds. You go to every length of sending your own son, for example, to provide for our sins and forgiveness. And the very least we can do is say, I not only give you my sin, but I surrender myself. And that means we put you first. You are on the throne. And I pray that it'll be practical and tangible. So may our hearts be open to receive. If we're getting defensive, Lord, talk to us about it and and just help us to to evaluate and to apply the truth of your word accordingly to our lives in order to enjoy and not limit your blessings, but enjoy your blessings. Even in this, these uncertain times, your firstness is established from the beginning of time, and we want to align ourselves with that. So, Lord, we bless your name. I thank you for all the people that call this their church home. Just what wonderful times we're enjoying because of people's faithfulness and exciting things are happening, and we're glad for it. And may you continue to be Lord of all. And I pray it thankfully, gratefully, in the name of Jesus, our Savior, our Lord, who is first. I pray it in Jesus' name. And everybody said, amen. Thanks for listening so attentively. Let's be warm. Let's take time to greet each other. We have guests today. If I didn't get to hug you, please find me. I'd love to do that. God bless you as you go. And we'll see you again soon. Thanks again for joining us online today.